to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. I'm your host, Dr. Onit Lev, an emergency and addiction doctor who has worked at the White House and still practices on the front lines. Right here on High Truths, you will learn from experts, hear stories from the emergency department, and listen to people who have struggled from addiction. Each episode, we will answer questions from you, our listeners. To learn more about the show, submit a question, access educational material, or even take a quiz, you can visit us on hightruths.com. This episode of High Truths will be the most stimulating of all, especially for your brain. Seriously, we'll be talking about stimulating your brain. Stimulating, not just in conversation, but actually stimulating with electricity. So let's hear our question from Casey Chin from Kentucky. Hi, Dr. Lev. My name is Cassie Chin, and I'm from Eastern Kentucky. I learned so much from the questions that the listeners send into your show, and I have a question myself. I have a friend who suffers from depression and addiction. Their psychiatrist recommended a brain stimulator. Can you explain what that is and how that works? Thanks. Who better to invite to High Truths than the founder of the company that makes a brain stimulator? Charles Fisher established Fisher Wallace Laboratories. He and Dr. Martin Wallace bought the patents from the FDA that was cleared for, as a medical device to treat depression, anxiety, and insomnia. Chip, welcome to High Truths. Thank you, Ranit. It's great to be here. Yes. So um, I want to answer Casey's question. What is a brain stimulator and, and how does it work? Sure. Well, brain stimulation, I mean, there are many uh, definitions of the term, but uh, specifically relating to ours, we make a medical device that's uh, cleared by the FDA for depression, anxiety, and insomnia. It's actually the only device class that has clearances for insomnia and anxiety. There are other, other forms of, there are other forms of brain stimulation for depression. But we, um, this is called cranial electrotherapy stimulation or CES. And it's been on the market actually since the early 1990s. Uh, we're a small company. We sell probably 50 or 100,000 of these devices a year. That's small compared to the size of the pharmaceutical companies that we compete with. But um, it's a handheld home use device that uses a mild form of alternating current to stimulate key neurotransmitters and lower cortisol. It's a handheld device, has two wires, two sponge applicators, which you wear under a headband. And basically it's working transcranially with a very, very mild amount of electricity to stimulate serotonin, dopamine, and beta endorphin primarily, and lower cortisol. Cortisol is the stress hormone. The others are neuro, key neurotransmitters that have to do with sleep and mood. So it's basically using very simple principles. Um, it's very mild. It only works on one to four milliamps, which is a microcurrent. I'll give you a comparison. <clears throat> Most people know what ECT is or electroconvulsive therapy. And that works, while that's effective, that works at 800 to 1,000 milliamps. It's much more invasive, has side effects, and it's a much more powerful version of what we do. We've managed to, and the inventors of the device, managed to harness a very small amount of electricity and be able to deliver it in a very easy fashion, which is safe, 
and also have the same effect or an even greater effect. So you can use it at home. You don't have to go to a doctor's office. It can be used every day or periodically. What, is, what does it feel like when you, you put it on? Well, there's really no sensation. It only goes up to four milliamps. Um, at the higher setting, you might feel a little bit of tingling in the scalp, but that's basically it. Um, and there's also, because you're wearing it um, sort of above your sideburns, it's going, it's stimulating behind the optic nerve. So occasionally you may see a little bit of flashing lights, but not, not much. Um, so that's basically it. There really isn't very much sensation at all. So I, I want to tell our listeners how we got connected at ONDCP and, and what made you call ONDCP um, uh, back then. Sure. Well, I called the ONDCP to speak to you because we published a 400-patient study about 10 years ago showing the effects of the device on treating insomnia and anxiety during detoxification. One of the biggest problems with detox and keeping people in, in treatment programs is that when they're going through detox, they have very violent side effects, insomnia and anxiety being two of them. If you can treat those issues during detox, detoxification, you raise your retention rates uh, to a much higher level. So in a 400-patient study that we did at Phoenix House, which is one of the biggest treatment centers in the country, 100 patients used the device and 300 did not in a 10-day period. In that period, the ones who used the device had a 50%, 5-0, increase in retention as measured after 90 days. Hmm. And it was even higher in a 30-day period because we didn't, we only gave stimulation for about 10 days. I think there were only on about five sessions on average. So if everyone had used that device every single day for the 90, 90 days that they were in treatment, the difference might've been even greater. But that's a, a, an amazing difference. And basically, if you can, you know, uh, mental health symptoms are, are comorbid with addiction. A lot of people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol also have anxiety, depression, and insomnia. So if you can treat those, those symptoms in parallel to treating addiction, then you can achieve much greater successes, successes. And so this is a very small, easy to use device, no serious side effects, can be used in any treatment program, and it is being used in different treatment programs around the country to increase outcomes. So that's, that's how we got connected was to tell you about the success there. Yeah. That's one of the best jobs. Uh, part of the jobs of being at ONDCP is meeting people from across the country, like, like you to inspire us with uh, ideas and innovations that are out there. I was intrigued um, reading and learning about the brain stimulator. Um, first of all, is what a great idea to have a non-pharmacological method of treatment of anything. So that's great. Um, and also that it was created by a NASA engineer. Um, can you tell us the backstory behind, behind the NASA's engineer and how this came about? Yes, absolutely. Well, there were two, the, the, I was not the inventor of the device. We bought the patents uh, approximately 15 years ago. And my current partner and I, Kelly Roman, and I uh, run the company. Uh, Martin Wallace, unfortunately, passed away about a year into the project, but he's one of the founders of the company. So we, um, he basically knew the List brothers. There were two brothers, one of whom had worked for NASA. Both were very highly trained electrical engineers. They were not MDs, but they worked with a team of doctors to try to understand 
what parts of the brain should be stimulated ideally and what the frequency levels should be. So in addition to the amplitude, the one to four milliamps that I told you about, which is the strength of the device, we use very specific frequencies to affect certain things. The reason we can use this device at such a low amplitude level is that we use a very high carrier frequency of about 15,000 hertz. And basically that allows us to pierce the skull and bone matter. So getting electricity into the brain without a lot of juice, so to, say, so to speak, um, is a great challenge, but we, we manage, they managed to overcome that. Then they use something called a modulating frequency, which basically lowers the physiological effect. And, and so you don't feel anything when you're using it because there's a certain frequency range that helps modulate um, the physiological effect of a device like this. And lastly, the, um, the body is affected in many ways between about 100 and zero hertz. So um, we were just trying to find the magic number that would help stimulate neurotransmitters and again, also lower cortisol, the stress hormone. And it took them about 10 years to derive that. That happens to be around 15 hertz. There are, many there are not many companies that compete with us, but there are others that use much lower hertz levels. Their devices are not as effective, but we managed to kind of hit it with a number that's in that range. So those three frequencies working together in tandem with the electrical output is what makes, um, makes the device work. Interesting. Do you know, and maybe you don't, and that's okay, what made Dr. Saul Liss, who invented this, uh, the NASA engineer, what made him think? Did he, was he thinking, oh, I want to treat depression, insomnia? Or what, was he just playing with electricity or what made him think of creating such a device? Well, he started out having, um, using this as what's called a TENS device. TENS stands for transcutaneous electronic nerve stimulation. Those devices are used only on the body. And it was so successful in treating body pain, which we also use it for, but we don't really have time to market it seriously. We're focused on psychiatric now, that, um, that he wanted to then work on the frequencies to help treat, uh, to stimulate key neurotransmitters. He felt it was possible and he'd read a lot of research that had been done in Russia and other places in the 50s and 60s showing how a very small amount of electricity could actually have an effect on the brain in this way. So he was very excited to do that because he felt that the, that the market for psychiatric treatment, non-pharmacological psychiatric treatment was much larger than for stimulation on the body. There are a lot of devices that compete in, for body um, issues, um, but there, are not, there aren't many that are allowed to be used on the head of which ours is one and to be used effectively. So much different thing treating, putting electricity on the body than it is putting it on your brain. Are, are there studies that compare using the simulator versus medications to, to treat these uh, illnesses? Well, we haven't done any studies like that yet. We do hope to do that. Um, it's complicated because you have to have the same subject be on drugs for a while, then go off or take placebo drugs. Then you have to have them on the device and then use this placebo device. So each subject could take six months or more in order to compare those therapies to see what they were, which one was better. And then you have to make a decision as to whether you put them on drugs first or you put them on the device first. So it is kind of complicated to do a comparison study, but in the future with the right research, 
uh, organizations, we might be able to do that. I can tell you though, and this is comes from the 10,000 prescribers whom we work with of our device, that on average, and this is not, um, you know, this is not uh, a blown up number, we have found that the device is effective. And when I say effective, it means that it's treating one of the symptoms that we treat according to the patient. It's effective about 70 to 80% of the time. Um, drugs, on average, having nothing to do with their side effects, are effective about 30 to 40% of the time. So there's a huge difference between the effectiveness of our device and pharmaceutical drugs. So since you mentioned side effects, side effects for medications, we know there is a lot. What about side effects from using the stimulator? Well, they're very minor. Uh, one in 500, one in about 250 patients can, if they use the device too close to bedtime, it may trigger insomnia because it's like t drinking a cup of espresso. And that's in a very small part of the population will have the opposite effect of putting them asleep. And then, then we just recommend that they don't use it too close to bedtime. About 100 out of 500 may get a mild headache. Uh, but since we have in older studies also shown the device to suppress migraines because it decreases blood flow, we feel that most of those reports are psychosomatic. And in general, it's, you know, because the headband's too tight or something else. So usually people who report a headache the first time they use it don't seem to have it um, in subsequent applications. So I would say very minor, you know, and one out of 500 will report that. Well, that, that gives some credibility because there's nothing in the world that doesn't have side effects, right? There's side effects from drinking too much water. Um, there, everything has some, some type of side effect. Um, the FDA cleared the stimulator for depression, insomnia, and anxiety. But what about addiction? Well, well they haven't, we haven't done large enough studies for them to look at drug and alcohol addiction yet. We hope to in the future. Now, the good news is we have older, smaller published studies on treating both drug and alcohol addiction. And we have found that the device has been able to curb those, you know, those forms of addiction, as well as um, smoking cessation. Um, but we can't market it for the device, you know, un unless we actually have large lo longitudinal studies, which are difficult and obviously expensive to produce. But the good thing is we do have older evidence. And so, you know, we do have a number of, of uh, addiction clinics that are using this for that purpose. Um, either as an adjunct therapy to treat mental health symptoms, and in some cases also to see if the device is, uh, will treat both drug and alcohol addiction. And they have had success in those. But, but, it's, but we're not allowed to market it officially for both, unfortunately, until um, we, we get you know, full approval based on larger studies. Um, having said that, um, the device is out there and, you know, this is, um, you know, something that we've done and had success with in the past. Now, one of the great things is that um, uh, there was a study published by Antonella Bonci, who's the head scientist at NIDA, which is the National Institute of Drug and Alcohol Addiction, uh, run by Nora Volko, who's a, an accomplished scientist and knows of our work. And um, he published a study, I think in 2016, showing the effects of electrical stimulation on treating cocaine addiction in rats. Now that was a rat model, not a human model, but, but you know, rat 
rats, as far as mammals go, have very similar um, um, characteristics to humans. So that was a really well-defined and, and very well-received study showing that electrical stimulation, not our device, but something very similar, it was alternating current, could have an effect in um, on, on, on the uh, dopamine pathways, which have everything to do with uh, with addiction. So in theory, we feel that, and again, we have to prove this over time, that the device could have an effect on um, restoring homeostasis, uh, which means, you know, bringing someone back to normal uh, in, a, in a pre-addiction state and changing the dopamine pathways back to what they were uh, in a pre-addictive state. Again, more work needs to be done, but what's exciting is there's supporting evidence that what we're doing is 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 very positive, and and again, we have older research uh, which supports this. That's very promising. You know, listening to you talk about using it for tobacco, I I wish that the vaping industry went as under as much scrutiny for recommending it for tobacco sensation as your device has, because we've unleashed another epidemic with vaping and injuries from vaping on our country, uh, disguised as tobacco cessation and actually created a lot more uh, smokers and a lot more addiction um, than it's helped. Um, it's, it's very, vaping is horrible. And what a lot of young people don't know and I've read a great deal about this, is that, and I'm sure you have as well, is that the, the penetration level uh, of vape of the vapors versus smoke to the capillary levels of the lungs can cause uh, terrible lung disease and lung issues at very young ages. That's why you're seeing 18 and 19-year-olds have lung collapse, which is what someone who's been smoking cigarettes for 30 or 40 years might have. So there, there are these early signs, early danger signs of what vaping can do to say nothing of the chemicals that are being ingested is terrible. And it's amazing that the FDA doesn't shut them down. But, you know, they have lobbyists and they've been able to keep going uh, and get through all of these loopholes. But it's a terrible scourge. We also hope to work on treating vaping addiction. Um, that's something because of our success in, in tobacco that we feel uh, has enormous potential. Um, again, we have to prove it uh, in contrast to the vaping industry, which seems to be able to defend what they're doing because no one's proven that it's bad, even though we know it's bad for people. We, um, we have proven that it's bad. There's 68 people documented dead and over 2,000 people who've had been in the hospital because of vaping, and we stopped measuring it um, well, since I mean, COVID. Proven that it's bad, I mean, in terms of the FDA actually doing something to shut down mm -hmm. the industry. I didn't mean, I know that it's bad, and I, and I know it's been proven in that fashion. But in other words, proving something and then actually recognizing that it's a public health hazard and getting it banned is are two different things. And so unfortunately, I didn't mean to misspeak there, you're absolutely mm -hmm. right, that, that um, uh, there is enough evidence to shut it down and yet, and yet they're able to somehow defend themselves. Yeah, so how much, how much does it cost? If I wanted to, to, to buy one, can I just uh, get one? How much does it cost? Is it covered by sure. insurance? Well, they're not covered by most insurance companies now. There are a number that cover them. Aetna and also Humana have covered them in the past. Um, we hope that we're in the midst of three very large clinical trials, and we hope that 
those will be um, uh, will show uh, the efficacy with you know 150 or 200 patients in each that will allow the FDA to give us full approval, which means just a step up in the approval process for those indications. Um, they have voted to, to give us approval for insomnia and anxiety. And in the case of, de of depression, we're just, um, you know, we're showing them a large study. And then we hope that that will sort of secure the converse, the 30 year conversation that's gone on. That doesn't mean we can't market the device in the meantime. We are, and we're allowed to do that. We just have to show this sort of what's called aftermarket data. Um, but, um, I think you had another question. I didn't. I said, how much does it cost? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> key, key, key. Yes. The retail price is $7.99 on these. Um, they are returnable within 30 days if somebody doesn't like them for full refund. So we're trying to, you know, take the good guy approach here and tell people it's available. It's not inexpensive, but if it's not successful, then, then people get, uh, get a refund. Um, I think that's like, almost nothing compared to how much people spend on treatments for other treatments for depression, insomnia, anxiety, addiction, etc. It's about so. the cost of two therapy sessions. And, uh, and then the replacement costs are very minimal. It's, it's, we sell, you have to buy sponges once or twice a year, but that's about it. So, you know, in terms of the quality of your life and changing your life, if it works, it's great. I don't want to be the poster boy for my own product. I got into this because I've had clinical issues my whole life and I didn't like any of the pharmaceutical drugs that I took for depression. Um, I found that they gave me terrible side effects. And so I stopped taking them and, but that didn't solve the problem. And then I stumbled across this in 2006 and uh, was very pleased to do so. So had I only found it for myself, I would have been happy, but it's nice to be able to bring it to the public and have other people uh, treat it. And we get, we get letters from people all the time and particularly with regard to insomnia in very severe cases of uh, people who've been exposed to sexual or physical or psychological trauma, um, sex trafficking victims who've not slept in five or 10 years. I mean, we've, we've dealt and also suicide watch patients We've had some really severe cases of people who, because of the trauma that they'd gone through, had not um, had success with pharmaceutical drugs. In fact, if, if anything, and they had the it had the opposite effect. And yet, our device was very calming, and it was it manages to somehow we haven't proved this how yet trigger REM sleep very quickly, and and that is very key in uh, as being part of restorative sleep. So. We've had we've worked with very very severely traumatized patients to help them um, to sleep and also to affect their mood and that's very exciting when you can take someone back from the brink who's been through a lot and as well as war victims, veterans who have PTSD. Wow, that's a special work. Can you? Um, I know this is an audio show, um, but can you describe what this looks like, how you put it on, what are the components, just to kind of give um, people a sense of what this is? Sure. And and I would encourage um, your listeners to go to our website to um, to take a look at the How It Works video, because it's very simple and what you, know, you can get it in about two minutes once you do that. But sh in brief, it's a handheld... Um, physical unit, which has um, two AA batteries in it. That's what powers this. 
there are two wires that come out of it. And at the end of the wires are two sponge applicators, which you wet uh, with just with tap water. Those fit under a headband on either side of your head. And then you turn the device on and it goes for 20 minutes. You can clip it to your belt, walk around, do whatever you want. You don't have to sit still. Um, you can use it while you drive, which I do occasionally. And um, uh, I put it on on the subway in New York City when I want to get an extra seat on either side. <laughs> <laughs> scare people away. Yeah, scare people away. So, um, but um, that's it. It's very simple. It's very easy to use. Um, you can drop it in water. I wouldn't recommend doing that and it'll still work, but please don't. And, um, uh, it's just, it's very, very simple, um, to apply. And we recommend using it once or twice a day for 30 days. And then on as an ads, as needed basis after that, at least once a day is ideal. Um, but, uh, and if it works, it usually works within at most say two to 10 days for most patients. Sometimes it takes longer, depends on the symptoms, but in general, it works very quickly uh, for most patients if it's going to work. And for the last, say, 10 or 15, I mean, we only get about 10% of these back. So, um, you know, for the last 10 or 20%, you know, obviously not everything works for everybody, but generally for that, for people who have intractable symptoms, uh, it may not work, but we recommend using it for a month. And then we always give an extension if someone needs to keep it for an extra month. And sometimes that's the tipping point. So, um, you know, that's pretty much it. But it's very easy to use. Just, wait, you said you take it back. Are you renting it to people? They don't buy it outright? No, they buy it outright. Mm -hmm. We don't rent them, but they buy it outright. But if they don't, they're not happy, they can send it back for a refund. Oh, interesting. And... Um, can you overdose on it? If I like fell asleep on it, you know, and it went for more than 20 minutes, or is, sure. is, that a, is that an issue? Well, the good thing is it's only set to run for 20 minutes. So if you fall okay. asleep it on, which people have, um, it shuts off automatically. And right. uh, sometimes it, you know, people will use it before bedtime and literally they'll fall asleep with it on because it will stimulate serotonin. And they'll just not off. And then, and of course, then it shuts off. So the worst thing would happen is if somebody, there's no addictive, you don't get any, um, a rush from this. So if someone were to use it, you know, three or four times a day, they might get a headache, but usually it's kind of boring to try to use in that fashion. So we don't get people who are, you know, who are abusing it because it doesn't do anything. If you, if you use it more than twice a day, it's not going to have any more of an effect. And if you use it once. And there are contraindications, right? Certain people, pacemakers, maybe seizures um, should not be using this. If someone has epilepsy, they shouldn't use it. It doesn't, it's well above the seizure threshold, which is about 16 milliamps. This only goes up to four, but we recommend someone who has epilepsy not to use it. And also um, we recommend that someone who has a demand pacemaker uh, not use it. Right. Um, Chip, can you uh, tell us the website where people can refer to to learn more? Yes, our website is fisherwallace.com. That's F-I-S-H-E-R-W-A-L-L-A-C-E.com. You can learn everything from there. We also have the over-the-counter version of our device, which is on circadia.info, C-I-R-C-A-D-I-A dot I-N-F-O. Great. And I will include that in the uh, High Truth show notes as well. Chip, there is an over-the-counter 
stimulant, right? I can go right now to, I don't know, Walgreens and uh, maybe, I don't know if they sell it at Costco, but there are other pharmacies where I can buy a um, over-the-counter brain stimulator right now. Um, uh, can you tell us about that and how that compares? Well, I'd have to know which one you're speaking of, but um, they don't, as far as I know, they, they're not selling anything that treats the symptoms that we're treating on an over-the-counter basis, to my knowledge. And and now in order to get your device, you need a, a prescription from a doctor? We do, You do need a healthcare authorization. Anyone who's licensed for healthcare can... Um, can sell this. The exciting news is, and we also market this, it's exactly the same device uh, which we have on a, an over-the-counter site, which is called circadia.info. And the product, the brand name is Circadia. It seems very strange that the FDA would have all this regulation and yet allow us to market this as an OTC device, but we do. That does not require any um, uh, medical authorization, uh, and we just we market it without the medical terms. Um, so it's basically for mood and sleep. Um, so not to confuse everyone, but the device is also marketed as an OTC product, and that's how safe it is. Uh, OTC means over the counter. Over the counter, exactly. Yes, but you don't sell it over the counter. Can we find your device over the counter? You can not sold in stores. We do everything direct to consumer. So we, we ship everything ourselves from our, uh, from our plan. That's great. And, um, it saves costs. I mean, we don't have, there's no middleman there. And I, I just want to let our listeners know that, um, and make it very clear that there's no one size fits all treatment for mental health or addiction, and that you should really consult with your physician. And please don't stop taking your medicines and try to use this advice instead. Um, you really should consult with your doctor. Absolutely. And I, I will tell you, though, and this is the good news, that you can use this and you don't have to stop using medication. This will work with, with there are no contraindications for using this with other forms of medication. So if you, and, and we do have patients who remain on certain medications in addition to this, they find this therapeutic for a majority of their symptoms, but there may be something that they need an extra stimulant uh, and that's prescribed by a physician. So if you're working with somebody, you can work very carefully to use this. If it's working for certain things, you can titrate off of medication, but certainly not to do that without a physician's advice but you can use it in conjunction with medication. So it's very flexible in terms of treatment. Great. Anything else I should have asked you that you want to tell us about or want to talk about on High Truths? Well, I would love to um, just say that I hope that uh, in, the, in this new administration, the treatment of addiction, that the opioid crisis, the treatment of clearly people who have addiction issues will be dealt with with greater seriousness in the last administration. That's my fervent hope. There are clearly ways to scale the treatment of both addiction and the treatment of mental health symptoms. Ours is one of them. There are many others, and all of them should be examined. But in, in light of the fact that there are scalable solutions and we don't have to have medical-assisted therapy for every single person who's coming out of uh, an addiction situation, I hope that the, that the government will you know, apportion money to do this. I, they, I believe that they will under the Biden administration and that they will look for scalable solutions that uh, will help the greatest number of patients in the shortest period of time. That's my fervent hope. 
So I just have to say, we I know that we have a, a divided America, but I think we are all united in in the the subject of uh, addiction, and it's a nonpartisan issue. Um, you know, uh, the disease of addiction hits people equally, regarding a regardless of race, color, or political affiliation. Um, it's really an important subject for everybody. And I don't mean to, I wasn't trying to politicize this. I just feel that the last administration did not approach this topic with a seriousness nor apportion the funds to move it forward that it should have. That's fine. The administration has ended. I'm not um, uh, pro anybody or anti anybody, but I am pro getting people into treatment. I think it's essential. And I hope that, um, that this subject will be given the seriousness that it deserves. Great. And with that, thank you so much, uh, Chip, uh, Charles Fisher, head of Fisher Wallace Laboratories, and very interesting um, alternative uh, device, non-pharmaceutical um, treatment um, that helps with in insomnia, anxiety, depression. And those are all symptoms that people who have addiction face. He's doing uh, further studies to see that it, it proves uh, works with addiction, but it's an, an interesting option, I think, that people should be aware of. Thanks, Renit. It was great to see you. And thank you very much for having me on the show. It's really exciting. Great. Great. And um, do you have any advice for our, our listener or caller, uh, Casey Chin, uh, called in with a question about the stimulator and her friend? Sure. Well, I think the general advice for her and everyone else is try to get as much education on as many therapeutic options as you can, especially if you don't want to take medication. There are things out there that work. Uh, not everything works for everybody else. What we're doing is based on very sound principles. It's been through a lot of research and safety um, uh, regulations. So, you know, what we're doing has been on the market so long that everyone accepts it as being safe and effective. Um, when you're looking at other forms of uh, non-pharmaceutical treatments, just make sure that someone has a product that's been on the market for a while, that they have efficacy, and do your homework. That's really it. Um, there are a lot of different ways to treat things and um, diet, exercise, meditation, yoga, those sort of things are very, very effective with regard to, um, to maintaining mental health. And so we would recommend that people just read as much as they can and listen to as many programs like yours that, um, that go into uh, the nature of treatment. Um, that's what's very exciting that we have all of these wonderful podcasts and, and experts talking about different subjects. So you can do your own homework and then make your own decision. Just make sure that what you're doing um, has a little bit of a track record uh, and is safe and has some efficacy and is being spoken about by people who have um, the imprimatur to do so. So, and then my advice for Casey, first of all, thank you so much for your question and uh, listening to High Truths. We very much appreciate it. And um, I think your question really illustrates that you are a very good friend, um, that you're inquisitive and ask good questions. And I wish you and your friend the best of health and uh, all your health, your physical health, mental health, and addiction. 
Thank you for listening to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts give you facts and answer your questions. This week's episode would not be possible without the generous support from our sponsors. A sincere and warm thank you to CCR, Center for Community Research in San Diego, enhancing public health and safety through informed action. And thank you to Fisher Wallace Laboratories that sell the Fisher Wallace Brain Stimulator and help sponsor this show. If you would like to sponsor a show, we would be honored and grateful. Please contact us at hightruths.com. We want to hear from you. Post a comment or email us about one thing you learned from this program. We thank you for listening and hope you will help our rating by giving us a five-star review. And subscribe so you won't miss any of our information-packed weekly shows. Visit our website, hightruths.com, to submit a question, take a quiz, or download a free prescription for naloxone. Until next week, this is High Truths on Drugs and Addiction. Our producer is Dave Rivas from Davey Boy Productions, and I am your host, Dr. Oni Lev. We hope we brought your day a little bit more High Truths.